surgeons do the incredible. They help save lives, and so can you, by donating at CSL Plasma. Your CSL Plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that may give the cashier from your local deli the chance to see your daughter's championship game or give your barber the chance to celebrate his golden anniversary. Do the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and receive up to $1,000 your first month. Varies by location and is subject to change. Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Thank you so much for joining us today on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. Carol, as many of you know, is a nationally recognized gerontologist. She was named one of the nation's top 50 influencers in aging for 2017 by Next Avenue. She holds a master's degree in social gerontology and has been involved in the field of aging for over 30 years. Currently serves as vice president of social responsibility for WellMed Medical Management and executive director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. And, and Carol, we take up a topic we have talked over the years on one other occasion about FTD, frontal temporal dementia. It's a really, really heavy topic. Well, it's a, it's a, just a dreadful um, disease, but it's also misunderstood and, and misdiagnosed. Um, and so it's great to have Sharon Hall with us today to help kind of clarify and raise awareness that Alzheimer's is not the only dementia lurking out there. Well, let me take a moment and introduce Sharon. Uh, she's a care partner and advocate for young onset dementia. Her husband lives with frontal temporal dementia. She's written many articles, participated in educational webinars, spoke to the NIH Research Summit on Dementia Care and Services, and she's often an invited speaker at conferences. She's on many advisory boards and is part of her state dementia plan work group. And Sharon Hall, thanks for joining us on Caregiver SOS On Air. Thank you very much for having me. I love to talk about this subject. Well, take us back to the beginning uh, when your husband is diagnosed with FTD. Uh, I'm assuming neither of you were very knowledgeable about it then. Well, basically, we were not, but we should have been. His mother was diagnosed with Pick's disease way back in the late 80s, early 90s, but no one in the family had ever told us anything about any changes in personality or behavior issues. And that was what my husband was presenting with. So in my naivete, I just assumed that he had become a big fat jerk. And uh, I was, I just, we went first to counseling, which happens to about 95% of us go to marriage counseling and are often told by our physicians to go to marriage counseling. This is a marriage issue. And we spent about a year there. And then I saw it is what it is by the AFTD, a little uh, video on their week, because I thought, oh, I know this. My mother-in-law had this. I know this. But uh, I didn't know it. And when I saw that video, I said, uh-oh, this is what he has. And so I wasn't going to be misdiagnosed as as Carol said, oftentimes we are misdiagnosed as bipolar, schizophrenia, uh, depression, 
<clears throat> so I said, we're not going to go through that. So we immediately went to Emory here in Atlanta to their cognitive neurology department. I uh, had a, a an appointment that was six months out and uh, he had a very big meltdown at, at Thanksgiving time. Our, our appointment was in May and I came back and called and said, he was still working at the time came back and called and said, he's going to lose his job. I don't know what to do. I don't want to be misdiagnosed. Please refer me. They got us in that following Monday. And that day they said, this is, this looks very bad. We're going to continue <clears throat> doing our testing. However, I think we're looking at frontotemporal dementia. What was your reaction? I wasn't surprised uh, because I have been researching it since October. And, but actually putting a stamp on it takes it to another level for a care partner. And uh, those people that don't have any idea of what this is, when they are hit with this diagnosis are just, they don't know where to turn. They don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. Oftentimes, a third of the people with FTD have a child under the age of 18 living at home. Uh, and a third of them have no health insurance because they could be diagnosed as early as their 20s and they lose their jobs and have to go on social security disability and you don't qualify for Medicare for two full years. But as we all know, our benefits are usually always tied to our jobs here in the United States. And, and so when you lose that job, you lose your benefits. We were fortunate to have a, a supplement that carried us through on short-term disability, and we had to COBRA his insurance until such time as we could get on to Medicare. But it was just very expensive, term. very expensive to COBRA. Yes. Yeah, you know, you hit on so many things there. Um, one of them is that there is a difference between all, traditional Alzheimer's disease that everybody kind of thinks they know um, and FTD being age, I mean, you can get Alzheimer's at a young age, but FTD usually does manifest at a younger age. So it's different. Um, Very different. The insurance coverage, there's no good insurance for it that helps with dementia. Um, but when you're trying to get a diagnosis and you're trying to see specialists and neurologists um, and get that workup, it's really important. And And when you lose your job, and because we're so we're usually in that younger age group, the sort of primary time to be diagnosed is 45 to 65. <clears throat> it's the biggest diagnosis of dementia under the age of 60. It's the leading diagnosis for those. And we're seeing, I'm seeing personally more and more younger people being diagnosed. I think our diagnostic ability is becoming better. I think that Perhaps education is getting better. Uh, I, I speak as much as I can about FTD and its symptoms. And so people understand that when I always say, when someone is not who they were, think neurology before psychology. All right. Hold that just thought. To... We're going to come right, we'll come right back to you. I want to let folks know who may have just joined us. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zernial. And we're talking on our Caregiver SOS on air hotline down to the great state of Georgia with Sharon Hall, care partner and advocate for young onset dementia. So Sharon Hall, most of us don't think of dementia of any kind as impacting young people. That's a stereotype that 
but with FTD and other issues you got to get over, what do you say to people? I always say to people that if if the person has changed, if if they if their personality has changed, please consider neurology before you go down the psychology path. Because if you start down that psychology path, you're going on antidepressants, which you might go on after you're diagnosed anyway, but you're not getting to the issue. I saw my husband when I was in marriage counseling, trying very, very hard. Nothing was working. He it, And I could see that he was trying and it was because his brain was dying. It wasn't because he was the big fat jerk I thought he was. Well, and, and you, you, when you describe him as the big fat jerk, what was he doing, right? What was different about his behavior that made you think, wow, he's just turned into a jerk? Yes. He, um, my husband has always been, I've been on a pedestal since we've been married, we've been married 25 years. And he has always held me on a pedestal. I have whatever Sharon wants, Sharon gets all very romantic, did these extravagant romantic things for me. And he started to withdraw and he would come home and, and be very gruff in his, in his persona. And uh, it was very much unlike him. I sort of put it off to the fact that he was a manager and he had temporary people working and it was frustrating at times and, and demanding. They were always under a timeline. And so I just sort of put it off to that. I thought, well, you know, he's, he's not 25 anymore. So, you know, maybe he's getting you know, a little bit concerned at work or whatever. So that's what I would put it off to. And it just continued. And he he would say my name like Sharon, and I would want to just smack him one. And one night I said, something is going on. He was constantly on his phone. And I thought, I don't know what's happening here, but it isn't good. And one night he went to bed early. He was getting up early for his job and his phone went off and I picked it up. And there was a text message that said, I love you, handsome. And my world stopped. He was sexting someone. I was floored. I honestly thought I was going to have a heart attack and die that night. I could not breathe. I I laid down and he heard me, I guess, trying to breathe. And he goes, what's wrong? And, And I said, who is this person? And do you want a divorce? That's how this started. So, and he was beginning to, he would have a beer when he came home from work, but it became two, three, six on the weekend. We had to buy two boxes of Cheez-Its every week. So a little OCD behavior and a craving for, for carbs. So once I knew what it was and put it together, it was a, an easy thing. But when it happened, it was devastating. Yeah, but the I think other stories that we've heard um, have been somebody goes and they just start charging indiscriminately on the charge card, just buying stuff all of the sudden. Yes, so that happens a lot, and and which you know, and then and then you've got to return the stuff or try to get out of debt. So um, I can I I can only imagine how shocked you must have been by all of this until you got that diagnosis. Yes. How did you know Very where to much. go for help? You mentioned Emory. You live in a city where you've got a marvelous, marvelous internationally known university. What do people do who don't have access to an Emory or to a uh, any kind of major research center? 
I tell people to find a research center for for any type of dementia. And that's the place you're going to get the best diagnosis. If you go to a local neurologist, they only see zero to five FTD people in their entire career. And PCPs only see zero to one in their entire career. So it's very not recognized by even neurologists. So and I as you go to and, the top. <laughs> I was going to say, as you seek that kind of help, uh, can you all at the FTD be a resource? Yes, absolutely. I have people call me all the time about where to go for, you know, if, they, if they feel that someone has these symptoms, because a lot of times when they look up the symptoms of what they're being told, like bipolar or schizophrenia, it doesn't match. And they go on a search for the symptoms. We're going to come right back to you. Don't go anywhere. If you've just joined us. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host Carol Zerniel, and we're talking with Sharon Hall, a care partner advocate for young onset dementia. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. The WellMed Charitable Foundation would like to remind you it is important to stay connected while social distancing. Caregiver stress may be higher now, and specialists are available to talk with. There's no question that we are living in not normal times, but whether... The new normal will be the old normal is yet to be seen. So if you are troubled, if you are feeling stressed, ask for help. Services are provided at no cost. See more at caregiversos.org. Hello. We appreciate you sticking with us right here on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel, and we're talking on our Caregiver SOS On Air hotline with Sharon Hall. She's a care partner, advocate for young onset dementia. And we were talking just a moment ago off the air, Sharon, and it's worth going through this again. Uh, You were saying that one indication that maybe, maybe FTD, frontotemporal dementia, is present have they changed? Has the individual changed? Describe that for us. For the most part, uh, behavior variant FTD is the most prominent. There are others. There's primary progressive aphasia and there are motor issues as well. But for the behavior variant, which is the most prominent, your personality changes. The person sometimes will spend great amount of money. They'll be incarcerated for DUI or being aggressive. Uh, they they can have uh, inappropriate sexual behavior. It's it's very it's a very disturbing presentation. It, you're looking at all all the people, all the spouses say this isn't the person I married, and you will hear that oftentimes uh, when people are saying I didn't know who this was they changed they weren't the person they were my loving husband is now yelling at the kids and he used to take them to ball games and play with them and now he's screaming at them every five minutes so the personality changes and oftentimes not for the better uh, a lot of times some of we all have bad characteristics and sometimes the bad characteristics are like going on steroids when FTD enters the picture. And usually we can go back at least five years and pinpoint little things that were like, huh, 
when they said things or did things. Sometimes you can go back more than 10 years to find those little nuggets of why did you say that? That was very uncharacteristic of the person. Now, so is, that's it mostly, why I always, is it mostly men or women as well who can be afflicted? It, it's almost even. Dr. Bruce Miller from UCSF indicates that about 60% are men and 40% women. And then so what is the treatment? Even. There is no treatment. Uh, they only treat symptoms. So usually the first thing that most people go on will be an antidepressant. And uh, and then sometimes my husband is on Depakote, which is an anti-epileptic but it did control his outbursts and his uh, behavior. He would have public outbursts when he got angry and that seemed to work for him. Other people are on different, it depends on your physician. I'm part of the person-centered movement. So I don't like to have him on any antipsychotics or, or uh, any anything like that. So I tried to keep him off of those. We recently uh, went on, uh, Delta eight for him to sleep. And uh, that has worked very well and kept him off of Seroquel, which, which is, uh, I, I, I just didn't feel comfortable with that, with the decision of a Seroquel going in. the. Now, there's some therapy. pretty heavy duty side effects with drugs like Depakote. How is he doing on it? He's doing great. We started off slowly. Uh, it was like a light switch on his back for the behavior and uh, started out slowly. And we've increased it over the seven years that we've been dealing with this. But um, it, he doesn't have any adverse effects. He he has blood tests on a regular basis. But even though I'm person-centered and I know his triggers now, he never loses it with me ever. I know his triggers. I have learned his triggers. Explain but that. If he has, uh, there are things that will trigger him. So if if you if you act to him like you're taking advantage of him or you're calling him a liar in some way, that's when he explodes out in public. And uh, so and he's very he gets time is of the essence. If you're not doing something exactly when you're supposed to be doing it. OK, look out. So those types of things were uh, hard to manage. And and so the, that's why going on some sort of drug will help me keep him home instead of having to place him in memory care. And that's an issue as well, because our people are younger, a lot of memory care centers will not accept them. And if they do, the first time they tell a dirty joke or, or, or maybe reach out for a, a CNA, uh, they, they will get kicked out. So we have a very high incident of being released from memory care and assisted livings, even day centers. Yeah. And, you know, and that's such an important point, Sharon. Um, I don't think people realize that you can get kicked out of long-term care. Um, my own mother was thrown out of an assisted living facility because she thought a TV remote was a telephone and wouldn't, when it didn't work, she couldn't reach us. When she called, um, she threw it down uh, and was accused of being a danger to herself and others. So any kind of yelling, screaming, abnormal behavior, and you get kicked out. That's right. And then where do you go? And then where do where you, go? do you because go? Because you need that. You need that care. Well, and, and especially what? in a younger person whose spouse has to work to keep the children under insurance, they have to go somewhere. They can't take care of them and work. And support right. the family. In, in managing him at home, uh, how did your children adjust to that? 
I didn't have a child under 18 living at home when he was diagnosed. So we didn't have the children to deal with, but I, I deal with people that had that often. And um, the most startling case, I think maybe if you have ever watched the 60 Minutes on FTD that they did, uh, the Johnson family, he was diagnosed when they had four children under the age of seven, the youngest being nine months old. And he had been fired from his job for inappropriate behavior, and she had to keep working. It was it was very, very difficult on her. He passed away recently in the last year. And uh, and so now she she's a little free of having that care. But she had to have him in care almost from the beginning because he was wrestling with the children. He was letting them go outside unsupervised, all those things that somebody with FTD will do. And she just it was the children's safety that was an issue. So they have to usually be placed much earlier. And because of this getting thrown out business, it can be they can go through four or five different placements and not find a place. So very big problem. Now, in your own case, when uh, your husband was finally diagnosed, was he cognizant of what the issue was? Did he know he had FTD? He did because his mother had it. And, uh, and I had said to him when I sat him down to say, we need to go to a neurologist. I said, I think you have what your mother had and we're going to go find out. What did he say? He he said, yeah, I, I, I kept telling you that something wasn't right. Something wasn't right. And he did do that. But I thought it was an excuse for bad behavior. And I didn't take it for what it was worth. And uh, but he would say something is right. What's wrong? I don't know. There's just something not right. And that's what he would say to me prior to diagnosis. But yes, he knows. He even went with me to the George Gerontological Society recently and spoke about FTD and his journey with FTD. So yes, he is well aware, but 99% have a nosognosia and are not aware of their diagnosis. Now, when he gives a talk like that, he's able to maintain his composure? Yes, he he is. They're they're very self-centered, actually. They like the stage. And (laughs) he uh, he's having some word finding issues at this point. And uh, so he would look at me once in a while and I would fill in the word that he was looking for because I know his stories well. And uh, so he he did a great job. I was very, very proud of him. It's the second time we've spoken. The first time we spoke at the Southern Gerontological Association and he spoke as well. And uh, so I, he doesn't do it a lot, but did a great job. What kind cool. of research is underway to find an answer to this, Carol, I'm sorry to jump in. Uh, well, the the progranulin gene is one that they're working very strongly on right now. They do have a study uh, that's, that's working on people that have the progranulin gene, but a lot of FTD is spontaneous. It's not inherited, even though ours apparently is inherited. Uh, it it is a very spontaneous disease in most cases. So progranulin is getting there. Uh, they also have the new neurofilament light chain test that just indicates that there's something wrong in the brain. Because a lot of times our MRI looks normal in the beginning, in the very early stages. So it, it's not a good indication of what's happening in the brain. Well, talk a little bit about the prognosis. What does the future look like with this disease? Uh, the future is what we all have, a fatal disease. 
we're all going to die. So, so is my husband. He probably will pass away sooner than he would have without FTD. But, you know, they say the span of FTD is two to 20 years. And uh, that's a pretty long time. The average is about five to eight. But uh, I, in my experience from working with the community, the younger they are, the faster they seem to accelerate in their in their progress. So I, I, I don't know if that's clinically true or not, but I see it in, in my association with so many people with FTD. What, what is it that kills them? Usually it's pneumonia. Uh, they can aspirate. My husband's already had aspiration pneumonia. They have trouble swallowing because it goes from the, the behavior, then the then your uh, speech is affected and then your motor issues can be affected. ALS and FTD share a common gene. The C9-ORF72 gene is shared by ALS and FTD. And you've got a, a link to a podcast you do for FTD? Yes, I do. I do a podcast with FTD. I have about six years worth of archive podcast at Talking FTD, the number four, U Y O U dot podbean B E A N dot com. Do it one more time. Talking F T D the number four U Y O U dot podbean B E A N dot com. Perfect. I want to thank you for coming on. Podbean, by the way, is where you can find Caregiver SOS on air. So we share that site as well. For Carol Zernial and for our special guest, Sharon Hall, I'm Ron Aaron. Thanks for joining us today on Caregiver, SOS On Air. Executive producers for Caregiver SOS On Air are Carol Zernial and Ron Aaron. Our associate producer is Christy Romero. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll see you next week on Caregiver SOS On Air. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org.